Hey guys, how you doing? It's Local Earshot Podcast episode, ooh, what is this, number four now? We're getting the, getting the ball rolling, we're getting a little more comfortable with this, and uh, a little, uh, the fewer fewer technical difficulties we have, the better, and uh, last uh, last podcast was went pretty smooth, we got that up on the Facebook page, I believe we got them all up on there now, don't we? Um, we have one and three. One um, and three? Yep. Okay. Uh, you know, the, when we refer when we're first getting this thing going, we had a lot of a lot of issues, and uh, so we'll we'll get that episode out as soon as we can. But uh, today we're going to get everybody caught up on what's going on with uh, everything. We've been uh, another another week in the bag for uh, the the website, uh, Facebook page. Uh, I'm, I'm I think I'm going to go ahead and get an Instagram set up from for a local earshot, and uh, unless you want to already have it. Oh, you got it. Okay, cool, yep. cool, cool. Yeah. And yeah, I think I, I and I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna give whoever access. So, yeah. Oh, cool, cool, awesome, guys, go check that out. And uh, we got a special uh, guest today with us today uh, from the Oklahoma City metal band Perseus, the mighty Perseus, Perseus the awesome band. Chris Gomez, how you doing today, buddy? Hey guys, what's up? It's good to be here. We're glad to get out of the house. Yeah, that's what I was saying last week. We're just happy the sun's out at this point. You know, we got small victories. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right? appreciate you having me. Hey, we're happy to have you. We're happy to see that there's still there's still stuff going on as as hard as it is to, to oh, find a gear. Hard. There's been few and far between. There's been a few bands that are pushing through this quarantine time and sticking together and practicing, but there's a few of us out there. Yeah. Well, in Oklahoma, it seems like it's it's constantly had a few places here and there open. I saw, I got to see Buck Cherry, and these were both of the Diamond and uh, Smith and Myers at the end of last year, and. That was really it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I saw hardly any other shows last year. Um, and yeah. I see you guys actually have a lot of a lot of gigs up near Tulsa and in Tulsa. So what are what are some of the spots out there y'all been playing? Uh, the Shrine Saloon. It's in downtown Tulsa. We've been playing there. I think that's our third time playing there during the quarantine time. So uh, it's a bar uh, about half the size of the Diamond, and they've been putting putting on shows here more and more. But, uh, of course, at the beginning, nobody was doing shows anywhere, but slowly they're coming back open, and the shrine was one of them that still open. Yeah. Well, some of the, the rules are still pretty pretty much the same. Masks, you know, keep your, yep. keep your distance and stuff like that. And lots of hand sanitizer everywhere, and uh, they wear a mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's well, good to know that a lot of other places are, like, you know, keeping up with that, you know. Uh, yeah. You walk into some bars now and they're like not doing the mask and sanitizer thing anymore, which is strange. I, yeah, I haven't seen that. I haven't been out a whole lot since the whole thing, since my wife works in healthcare. So it's like we, even now we still kind of. Let's be honest. As soon as you walk in, they check for a mask. After that, it's freedom. You're free to go. You can take off the mask and hang out. Most people ain't wearing the mask. Well, I mean, they got a beer in their mouth, so yeah, that's yeah. how. That's how. Yeah, that's how it usually is. Yeah, the virus can't get you if you're sitting down drinking a beer. Yeah, you can block Corona with a Corona or, or eating food. You gotta fight Corona with Corona. That's right. Like, fight fire with fire. <laughs> so we'll catch us up, man. How you guys have been over the the year? With uh, I mean, just the the band itself you guys uh, i've seen y'all have had a lot of developments man so uh just kind of catch everybody up cool well the freaking coronavirus hit right at the peak of our most dire time as a band we lost some members and right at the beginning of uh corona we had to decide what we're going to do to get through losing major members of the band so we ended up reforming and we wrote a new song Ten Thousand scars uh, it's primarily written by me, but a lot of the the drummer and the singer had just as much as input on it, and uh, we made that baby and recorded it, put it out, and set it up as a as a staple of our continuation as that's, a band. So that's a statement to make, man. It's hard, man. I, and I, I've I've been in bands in the past. It's been a long time, but just it's it's hard to hold hold it together in the best of circumstances you know mm-hmm. never mind when when something like that hits or just the roller coaster of the last four years you know i know the political stuff has divided people to the point that there's some relationships i don't think will ever be repaired definitely and um you know it's always unfortunate to see but it's it's also really cool to see a band and uh, come come back and bounce back yeah. and uh, it looks like y'all really have a ten thousand scars cool. uh we want to go ahead and preview that and let everybody hear it and uh let's uh cool 
Appreciate it. Yeah, this is our latest single, 10,000 Scars. Uh, just came out a few months, well, probably a year ago now. Who's the Who's the uh, new members, by, uh, real quick? Uh, we got a new bass player, Alex Farinas, and we tried out uh, lead guitars for a little bit. didn't work out. Um, he couldn't do the coronavirus exposure at all the bars yet. So he stepped out. So that's what a lot of people don't really understand is like people think that, oh, just because like because of the pandemic and everything that we can't really be going to shows at the same time, like people aren't talking about how it's affecting the bands personally. Mm. Like, yeah, you're not getting to go on tour. But at the same time, you know, it's really hard to keep things together. Mm-hmm. You know, it's affecting people in like so many different ways that not everybody really realizes. I mean, some bands have broken up. I mm-hmm. uh, talked to a friend of mine who was was a drummer because he can't bring himself to go out there and do it you know yeah. and yeah, that happens. the bills keep coming you know yeah. you gotta keep the lights on so uh we're gonna play ten thousand stars for y'all this is perseus out of oklahoma city Ten thousand stars, guys. That 
is shit to break your your house in half to. That's what I say. How do you like that solo? I man. dug it, man. I don't want at the end of the pinch harmonic into yeah. that that uh, sweep. Yeah. Was it sweep picking it's, or like, just a legato? It's lick? a trill. It's a legato trill. Oh yeah, man. very smooth. I dig it. Yeah. That was very cool. That's very really cool. good, man. I appreciate it. It has a pinch harmonic up on the seventeenth fret on your B string, way up there. You can pinch it if you really hit it right. You get that really high pitch. Nice. We're, okay, where did you actually start playing pinch harmonic? Like, what was that moment in when you're jamming in your room and you actually hit it just right where you had one and like, oh, that's what Zach Wilde does. Well, when I was first starting out, I would play too hard with my right hand, and so pinch harmonics would come out naturally. And I didn't want to; they were just coming out. Yeah. <laughs> so then I was like, well, this is what like metal guys do. So I just I'll put it in some riffs. So. Yeah, it took me a while to, to do that because uh, when I was learning how to play my picking hand, I held my pick with all four or all five of my fingers, and it, it took me a while to really loosen up from that. But when I did, it, it the same thing is mm-hmm. I was it was happening even when I didn't want it to. So I had to train myself how to just incorporate it into my playing because it's going to happen regardless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, what was, what was some of your motivations for that song? Where did the idea and the inspiration come from? Oh, man, that song took a long time to come together. Uh, of course, when you're writing, you play something and you listen to it, it's like, no, oh, that sucks. Like, <laughs> this sucks. Then you write something better and you're like, no, this sucks too. So finally, you, I wrote that first riff of that song and I was like wait this is good this is pretty good so then I wrote a little more and then I showed the guys and they liked it right at the beginning so then I ran with it and added the the rhythm riff and then uh, the big breakdown and then that solo uh, was at the very end um, I don't know how to explain it I just messed with that solo forever forever and Finally, it came together. I was like, "This is this is where I like it." And is that how you, as far as um, composing a, a solo or even a song in general, is that something that uh, you got you kind of more of a flash in the pan kind of, insp- like, "Okay, that was good. I'll play that again." Or you you, you construct it from riffs you've already well, developed. Well, now that I'm older, I'm 38. Um, I, I when I listen to music or I see guitar players live. Uh, and most of my friends are the same way. You can tell when someone's just trying to be flashy and overboard with tamping, overboard with their sweeps. It's like, yes, it's good, but it's just you're you're showing off too much. It doesn't really suit the song. Right, suits the so song. So the main <laughs> point of this solo is something that suits the song. It's not too flashy and it's not too fast. So there's just a little bit of that pinch harmonic is the highlight of, of the solo and I just you know put one in there one pinch one trill one tap you know involve everything you can into it to make it sound cool but don't go too overboard with it yeah so that, that's the way I thought about that, about that. and uh, like me uh, in my my one of my biggest influences was David Gilmore and he's he's rarely a flashy player but he's still got some of the most memorable solos in mm-hmm. history because it's like you can Feel. almost you can almost sing his solos exactly yeah. and you know even even a, a, a blazing fast guitar solo can still have melody over mm-hmm. the top of it and I agree with you just being super technical and fast for technical and fast sake I mean there's mm-hmm. a place for that in music they right. you know they have shred albums but it can be ill-placed in a lot of music too yeah. you know <laughs> with anything we go for what I go for is a, is a feel like is this groovy enough to bob your head to is this cool enough that you can listen to it on, in your car over and over again and, uh, does it feel good to play uh, can you can the people feel it when you play it that's that's what I like to go for well yeah and especially a band that's a metal band or any aggressive music if if you don't find yourself at least speeding when you're listening to it in your car, then you're not feeling it. Because yeah. I tell you, what, I'll, every time I play the Redneck by Lamb of God, I end up looking down. I'm going like 75, 80 miles an hour. So, <laughs> so uh, as far as you guys getting in a room together and hammering one out, how does it all come together as a songwriting process? You said all all of your your band members are principal songwriters, and if you lose two members, that can shake up the chemistry pretty bad. Right. Or good. Uh, you know, whatever. This Ten Thousand Scars song was the first song we wrote as a band, as a whole band. Uh, previous to that, our old lead guitarist was the primary songwriter in the band. And he would come with songs already finished, and we would add maybe 10%, 5% to them to make them 
a little bit of put our input into it. So when we lost him, it was really up, up to me to, to write the core base of the song. And really it's just showing the guys, you like this? Is this good? How's this sound? And usually we change a little bit here and there, input from the drummer, input from the singer. Um, and then the singer will come in and write his own melody over. So all the melody of the voice is all Jeremy, the singing. Drumming is all uh, Jordan. Uh, I have a little few ideas. I tell him, put this a two-step beat here, try that, and then he'll do that, and everything else is just hit off his creation. So, so well, did, did the new guys come from uh, existing bands or kind of free agents? How did that kind of come together? Uh, our bass player is in a, was in a band in Tulsa. Uh, God, what's his name of his band? I forget the name, um, but he yeah he was in a band in Tulsa, pretty pretty heavy, heavy band, well known in Tulsa. And he was free and he saw us play. We used to we play show without a bass player recently because we didn't have one, so we oh, yeah. go up there and play it anyway. Just a singer, guitar player, and drummer, and have our bass tracks going. And uh, he saw we had, we had a need and he could fill it. And he talked to us, talked to me, and was like, hey. Where's your bass player? I was like, we don't have one right now. So, <laughs> well, uh, he was real nervous. He's like, uh, you think I could maybe try? Like, maybe try it. Like, yeah, dude, give me your email. I'll send you a song. And I'll make a YouTube. I make YouTube videos of how to play it. I have a bass. Like, this how you play the song. And he'll study up on it. And uh, he came up and played it. So I was like, all right, dude, you're in. Well. Speaking from someone who tried to learn your songs on bass, the guy's got chops. If you I remember can, that. If you yeah. can get it, yeah, because I, I thought I'd be able to help you out, and then you sent me that song, and I was trying to nail it, and I'm like, I, uh, it's fast. I would not be a, I would be a disservice to this band if I tried to play this on stage. I, you know, but hey, uh, kudos to the, to the the guys you got in the band now, and it, and it sounds tight, and um, uh, cool. Appreciate it. Yeah, every, everything on the on the uh, the studio recording is. I'm playing every guitar and even the bass guitar on that, um, just for time purposes because I, I knew all the notes. I knew the song already. Well, how far back do you? Uh, I mean, I know you and Jeremy go back quite a ways uh, as far as this band. Um, how did this whole thing develop over the years? Uh, in Shawnee, about 2008. Um, I was 21, 22, 24, somewhere around there, and go to a lot of parties in Shawnee, just on the weekend, drink beer, hang out with the guys. There was this house party in Shawnee, um, downtown Shawnee, above a Dollar General, there's an apartment, and most people don't know about it. It's it's a condo on Old Town, Downtown Shawnee, upstairs. You can get on the balcony and drink on the balcony on the top of the roof of Dollar General and, <laughs> and look out on the city. That is a Oklahoma. That's the most Oklahoma thing I've, I've heard in a while. Right there. Yeah. So Downtown Shawnee, there. If you look, you might see people partying up there sometimes late at night. But I was a, um, they used to be my buddies used to rent that condo, share it, and uh, share the bill, and they just throw these massive parties. There'd be a hundred people there sometimes. <laughs> And one of these parties, I was there, and, and they had a drum set, a guitar player, and they were playing some metal. And uh, I was in another band at the time, but they said, hey, we need like another guitar player. You want to hang out? And so, hell yeah, this is cool, man. You guys, this is a party. I'm down. I'll hang out here. And so, uh, yeah, that's how it started. They got the, we made the name Perseus. The drummer at the time had a, uh, a science book, you know, Planets, Universe. And in the book, uh, there's a universe um, where the Pyramid of Giza is pointed straight up at two stars within the galaxy, uh, Perseus galaxy cluster. So, like, Perseus is, that's the name. Let's put, let's name our band Perseus. That's Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I really like that, man. But, like, um, do you play, like, personally any other music? Like, like I can... I can tell you guys are pretty good at what you've got so far. Like, it's definitely pretty metal. But do you, is there like any kind of genre of music that you come back to? Do you like blues? Do you like listen to any like particular band that's not metal? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what what's the band that you come back to, the genre of music that you come back to that like inspires you in music? Deftones. Yeah. Deftones. Deftones, uh, yeah. Well, started out with them. I, I gotta ask now because I know uh, kind of what your rig is with the the heavy duty strings, uh, the seven eight string guitars. What are you running these days? Is that inspired by the Deftones? Um, no. Uh, I, I play a baritone right now, and it's a six string. Um, 
love the way it sounds. The baritone is just really meaty and low. What, uh, what kind of guitar is it? It's a Solar Artists, uh, Artist Series A1, I think. This baritone six-string guitar with uh, Fishman Fluence. It looks sharp, man. I've seen your pictures on Facebook with it. I'm like, that's, that, that is a machine for metal it's right for there. It's for metal, man. definitely for metal. <laughs> it could have easily, like, it sounded almost like seven-string. Like, I can tell the sound that you're going for, and that's really cool. It's tuned in B like a seven-string. Yeah, and that's, that's really neat. Because I, it. Uh, I don't know too many other people that can actually play seven-string guitar. Because people think, oh, it's just another string. You know, it oh, can't it's be. it's significantly no, it, different. Yeah, it's yeah. significantly different different like uh when i was i was learning to play bass myself and i thought maybe i should try out on something a little bit more advanced just to really get my my feet into it maybe try like six string or something no <laughs> i should have like just stuck to doing four string bass and then just learning the basics and going from there because it's it's more complicated than i give it credit for like really like, like um both the muting techniques and just like uh guitar and bass let alone when you have multiple strings mixed into it and the way that like uh steven carpenter from deftones does it like it's really good mm -hmm. i mean uh, what's your favorite song from deftones would you say uh bloody cape it's off of their self-titled album i think it's called bloody cape freaking awesome song yeah it's just right. lots of feel really heavy yeah, I think like most people typically know like a uh, change in the house of flies. Like mm -hmm. uh, my favorite album would have to be Diamond Eyes. Mm -hmm. Just well, I love that album too. Yeah, yeah. and that's so great. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say the White Horse or White Pony, whatever, but uh, that's yeah, I'll probably have to go with Diamond Eyes. The White Pony got a lot of recognition. Like that's when that's how I was introduced to the Deftones. But I think yeah. I like Diamond Eyes better mm -hmm. overall. Yeah. For sure. I know that they're like classified as the, um, there was some news article that said that they're like the radio head of metal, which mm -hmm. is yeah, pretty good. Say that. It's a pretty good description. You know, yeah. all the Deftones albums, if you're on a date and you're riding with your date, your girl, you can put in the Deftones and it sets the mood. It's heavy, <laughs> but there's also sexy parts in it. Yeah. Yeah. Deftones got it, man. Well, that's what I tell people about my wife. Our first date was one of your band's gigs. And I'm like, well, if she's into this kind of metal and she stays around, <laughs> I guess it was meant to be. <laughs> oh, one, another thing I took from the Deftones, I was, when you research them, you realize that Chino, uh, a lot his main influences Depeche Mode and so that got me into Depeche Mode so a lot of times if I'm not listening to metal I listen to stuff like like Depeche Mode the 80 synth yeah, yeah. rock it's so different and it's so there's lots of feel in it and it's dark cool and yeah. different sounds and so. yeah Depeche Mode or The Cure too uh, back then they, they would do like a like a minor melody in the vocal over like a major chord pattern it gave it a weird kind of a weird feel. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a good way to, to describe it. It's the baritone voice of the Depeche Mode singer. I think it's David Gunn, I think. He's got that killer voice, man. It just oh, sets the, the music off. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely, man. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> what kind of uh, gear are you running to these days with, to get that kind of tone, man? That's pretty heavy for a single guitar approach. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I just sold my Engel. I had an Engel 30 watt Gigmaster. It, it was really high quality, but it was um, getting old, and I was tired of the. I was just getting tired of the sound, so I sold that, and I got a Randall Diavolo 40 watt. Um, the thing about that Randall is that it was designed by Mike Fortin. So if you know Fortin amps, you heard about Fortin amps, are really high dollar metal amps. Before he started Fortin, he worked for Randall, and he made four signature amps for Randall. And the, the Diablo was like the the entry level one. Hmm. It's like a thousand bucks, but it's still really, really good. It's meaty, low, made for metal. So it's real chunky. So the core, the core of my sound actually comes from the Mesa cabs, man. If you want to sound heavy, you get a Mesa, Mesa agreed. cabs. I absolutely agree. So, yep. It's something that we were actually kind of talking about in our first episode, like, uh, as far as preference, like, between, like, digital amps and tube amps, like, what is your given choice? Like, what is it that gives you the kind of tone that you're looking for? Tube amps, uh, mid-gain with a boost pedal. Gotta have a boost pedal these days. With You gotta have a cab, a uh, Mesa cab. Uh, and I found that my new guitar, the solo guitar's got the Fishman Fluence Modern pickups, they're active. They got a push-pull knob on the volume, so if you push it in, your tone is really deep, and you pull it out, it cuts through for solos. 
Hmm. I just leave it pushed in. It's really chunky, really deep tone. And uh, the low tuning and B really just sets off for a good metal tone. I can tell it is really chunky, but like the way that you do it sounds like better than intentional. You know what I mean? Cool, I appreciate it. Yeah, all the right hand palm muting. How yeah. do you, uh, what's kind of gauge of strings you run? Pretty thick or you keep it normal? No, no they're a 13 on the high E and a 62 on the low. Oh, so yeah. Pretty thick. Yeah, yeah. What kind of strings do you use? Do you use like Ernie Ball or? Bro, right now I have Dario on them. Uh, so it's really I can get whatever I get my hands on. I've I've ran um, Ernie Ball. I've ran Ernie Ball. Um, freaking when they, when you buy a solar guitar, it comes from Europe. So they throw these. They're called blacksmith strings, hmm. and they're not. You can't get them in America. And they're really nice. They're like perfect, perfectly for that guitar. So if you ever want to put the original strings, you got to order them from Europe, and they take a while, and they're expensive. But here in America, anything Ernie Ball or Diodario will work. Hey, I, you know, there's a lot of guys that go back and forth on the whole tone with the, the debate with, the, you know, the type of wood your guitar is made out of. Electric guitar makes a difference. And I'll tell you, the type of strings you play, to me, makes far bigger of a difference than all that, you mm -hmm. know. And and I always run through Ernie Ball hybrids. That's what I've been with most, most of the time I play guitar. Uh, really for no other reason than it's the brightest, prettiest package on the shelf, usually. <laughs> they get mm -hmm. those neon packages. But uh, I, you know, I ran through GHS strings and uh, Diodario a few times, and, and I always kind of come back to the Ernie Ball. So mm -hmm. that's just kind of what I do. Yeah. But well, the reason it, that I ask is like, uh, because I, I've heard you play before, Brad. You play really well. And um, I think like a lot of it comes down to the strings themselves. There was like a little interview that John Mayer did on ABC and like, he's the kind of guy that just doesn't care. I mean, he fiddles with his guitar for like four hours a day. Mm -hmm. uh, but he said in the interview, in his honest opinion, that the strings really do make the difference because that's the only thing that he has control of. There was another guy that said like, uh, if you're not looking to bend the strings or like make them wham or whatever, then you're better off just playing a harpsichord, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, but he said that like, his only job is to get the strings to move in the way that he wants to. And it's a big difference. I mean, he's also the kind of guy you could hand him any kind of guitar. It's it's still going to sound like John Mayer, you know. Yeah, and I mean, really, all players have that quality to them after playing guitar for so long. In my opinion, yep. so everybody ends up being a hodgepodge of their favorite guitar players growing up, or when they were. Usually, it's the ones that were in their formative years. Those are the ones that stick with them, you know, mm -hmm. and. And for me, it's David Gilmore and Slash. Those were the two main guys that influenced the way I play, and it clearly comes out in my playing, you know. I'm very Sweet. blues, blues. Uh, some people say sloppy, I say bluesy, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. <laughs> well, like, what's one of y'all's favorite guitarists that, like, hasn't changed with their technique? Like, when I look, when I think of guys that are, like, masters of guitar, I think of dudes like Peter Frampton. My mom went to go see him a couple of years ago, and they did, like, a live recording there in the studio here in Oklahoma. It was, like, 300 bucks to buy the DVDs or whatever, or the CDs for the live recording. And he sounded exactly like he did from his videos all those years ago back in like the 80s and stuff yeah. you know what i mean and like uh you said like a uh, like gilmore is one of your favorite guitarists do you think like his technique has changed after all these years i think everybody's evolves um but i think it evolves it evolves but it still remains true to that whatever it is in you know you hear you hear any of these guys even today and some of them are 50 years long in their career and you still know it's it's you instantly recognize them as that's what's them and that's just one of the coolest things about it it's it's no matter what technique they pick up along the way it still sounds kind of like them and they just kind of evolve they don't change or rarely do they change uh the ones that are more sad but also kind of cool or the you know the guitarists that died right in the middle of their success and they never they don't evolve but for some reason some of them were so far ahead of their time it always sounds fresh no matter what year you're listening to it Jimi hendrix still sounds new i mean considering i you know you can't believe that shit came out 60 years ago 55 years ago no it's true man like you i know? still listen to purple haze and i'm thinking man this would 
like change some people's lives hearing it today. The way that it, <laughs> no, really, you know. Well, unfortunately, a lot of people won't be exposed to it unless Post Malone put it on a on a mix or something. <laughs> well, this is something that I'd like to get y'all's opinion on. Like, uh, you see a lot of popular artists today, and a lot of them don't really play guitar. Like, I think it was like Nick Jonas from the Jonas Brothers. Uh, it was either at the Grammys or like like one of these events, and they gave him a solo, and he was playing like this blue Telecaster, <laughs> and he fucked it up so bad. Yeah. Like, dude, you have all this time. You've been playing Damn. music for how many fucking years? and you still butchered the solo in front of God and everybody. Those record scratch moments of our lives, man. I know. It's like... I'm not saying... I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Like, everybody has technical difficulties on stage. But it's just like he went out there with the confidence and everything and just still fucked it up. And it just bothers me to this day. Because I've been listening to this dude since the beginning of his career. Like, I'm not, like, a huge Jonas Brothers fan, but I've, like, followed their work, like, uh, through my friends and everything. And it's like... I had higher expectations, you know, really. And so, like, to see it, um, like, the way that certain guitars do it, like, okay, Slash was doing... Hey, hey, let me interrupt here, guys. I'm sorry about this. They're they're running a construction right across the lot from my place, and it's just something that we're going to have to push through. There, I just, there uh, is a bulldozer 20 feet away from us. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, no right outside. It's frustrating, right outside but, but bear with us, all right? So, I mean, sorry. even if we were in the city, there's, like, so much construction going on in the heart of the city, yeah, too. Like, uh, it's hard to get away from it. We're, we're doing the best we can, so right. go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, like... Uh, and it's not just even him. Like, like Slash was performing Crazy Train for Ozzy. That was bad. It was so bad. And oh, there's, like, bad. no excuse for somebody like Slash to have, like, done it for as long as he has. Like, maybe somebody handed him the wrong guitar at the last minute. Maybe he just forgot to tune it. There's really no telling. He didn't really clarify there at the end. But even you could see Ozzy sitting there yeah. at the end with, like, his hands Ozzy. on his knees Ooh. and just, like, doing his career <laughs> thing. Like, you why? can see Ozzy's mouth. He, he mouths the words. He goes, this fucking blows. <laughs> 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 I know and that's like there is no excuse like doing it as long as you have like I know that like uh, like as a camera guy there's always some things that you forget even doing things like this where you're recording the audio there's just like little things that you know you just don't see along the way but like I have such higher expectations of these guys you know what I mean yeah it's just like I just don't see how you can fuck it up so easily. Well, and or like to that scale, anyway. And the thing with the way the concerts can be nowadays, if you're paying a huge ticket price, you better deliver. Like you know. I know, and that's like that's why I'm thinking of dudes like uh, like Bruno Mars came through here and he was doing a show at the BOK Center. The cheapest tickets starting out were like four hundred and fifty dollars. Nope. Eek. Yeah, and he nope. doesn't he doesn't play anything. Like I think he does play some piano. I really don't know for sure. Mm. I don't know if he incorporated it into the show because I didn't yes. spend four hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> to go see his fucking show. Mm. But like and I don't have anything against him as an artist. There are like a lot of pop artists these days who are really good at what they do. At the same time, like I don't see anybody like investing really in an instrument. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, I listen to there's a band called Two Feet. Do you do y'all know Two Feet? <laughs> okay. Um I can't play a song here because when I have his permission. But it's got like this bluesy guitar feel to it. At the same time, uh, it's still pop, like the way that he does his lyrics and everything. And so I just don't see like enough artists today really like incorporating any kind of like musical talent in with what they do. Like, and that's not to say that somebody like Amy Winehouse, I'm not expecting Amy Winehouse to play guitar, but at the same time, like if I'm spending $450 to see somebody like Bruno Mars, like, I want to be able to, like... Better deliver. Yeah, better deliver. Yeah. And so, like, then to see somebody like Nick Jonas, who claims he's been playing guitar, like, his whole life, and just mess up the solo, I just don't know what to think. I'm glad that I never <laughs> took my sister to go see a show or anything like that. You, you know, know what I mean? Mainstream stuff is spoon-fed to you. They expect you to love it by hearing it. Uh, yeah. And a lot of the... So you have to dig now to really hear really talented stuff. And that's original exactly stuff. why we started this podcast. Because yeah. uh-huh. there are so many bands out there that are good, and some of them that if if they had that platform and they could come through Oklahoma City, Norman, or someplace and, and play gigs and make some money and you know make fans and and keep the thing going ultimately mm-hmm. most bands at the level we're we're talking to is either early in their career or still a passion project of sorts and you know 
like just like us here like we still have to work full time and we do this for for mm -hmm. our passion project hopefully something happens and takes off you know a band is that's, essentially that's a business dream. yeah that's the dream yeah yeah passion takes off and you can make money at it yeah well yeah. and you know like you said you you, you guys are uh, all have input with the songwriting process and losing members can really shake up the chemistry how did uh did you guys bounce back pretty good with that or did you oh, guys that was uh, hard hmm? it was really hard yeah me. Yeah. Well, when you lose your main songwriter, you really got to look inside and be like, do I want to keep doing this? Am yeah. I good enough? Uh, I was never really a, a songwriter person. I was a riff guy. I can write riffs. I can play anything that my buddies are playing. I can copy. I can play the rhythm to it. When it comes to songwriting, you really, really got to ask yourself, you know, can I write something? Is Am I good at it? And then you eventually just make the decision, I'm not gonna stop until this is good. Like, and yeah. so you get to this madness point where you're just on the computer 12 hours a day trying to mess, make it perfect, re-recording, and you, you end up learning a lot, but eventually you come to something, you hear it and you like it. So, and then, all right, this is it, get it out of here. This is, I like it the way it is, done. So did, did it uh, take, uh listening to your own material to, to get inspired or what kind of bands did you listen to in your car or your bedroom or whatever just to kind of set that mindset of uh i, I you know we're gonna do this so like you, you know there is no failing isn't even an option we're just gonna move forward whatever happens happens you know eventually i reached this point where i didn't listen to anything i wanted to just come from my mind from my heart from my mind what's because what's going to come out of my fingers that that is me that it sounds good and whatever is that whatever comes out is original it's me and i might hear a little bit of deftones in it when i think when i listen back to it oh, that kind of sounds like deftones that kind of sounds like allison james i hear a little bit of god smack in there or i hear uh Meshuggah. i hear Meshuggah riff in there all that's cool and all that's what i grew up listening to so yeah it's going to come out but cool that's what that's what comes out so very cool well like one of the things that i think is like an interesting thing about that is like uh you said yourself like maybe you, you could write something i really think you could like you practice music long enough you end up wanting to write some of your own material for sure but i think something more important especially in music is finding uh your groove and where you fit in with the band like i met some dudes that were lousy guitar players that ended up being really great bass players just because they thought in more like a rhythm mindset mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i met some dudes that have been playing guitar for like the past 20 years don't know how to solo and it's just because it's not at the tip of their fingers, you know? And that's not anybody's fault. I think, like, when you can find where you fit in with your band and be surrounded by people who are more talented than you, if not the same, and just kind of work on it from there. There was, like, a video that was posted on... I think it's on YouTube about uh, George Harrison and how he went about songwriting with the Beatles. And George Harrison was the kind of quiet dude that sat in the corner of the room mm -hmm. in, the, in the studio, and he would just kind of wait for uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney to show up. And when they came in, John and Paul were just looking at each other the whole time. Eye contact just never broke apart from the conversation, talking to each other the whole time. Just within three hours, they wrote a song. And if at any point one of them got stuck, they were just like kind of questioning, like, what if we did like this? or should it sound like that? And then George Harrison would step in and interrupt, and he's like, what if we did something like this? And then he did a lick, you know? Definitely. They're like, yeah, yeah, man, that's exactly what yeah. we need. And that's just kind of how they went about writing their own songs. Mm -hmm. So uh, George Harrison did write some of his own material, but he was better known for, like, incorporating what he thought would add to the songwriting that was Lennon and McCartney. Yeah. You know, our drummer's the same way. We we trust his final judgment. We we, we trust he knows what, what sounds good, what sounds cool. We yeah, trust. and you have to. He's the guy yeah. keeping the beat. You yeah, know, trust each other. Yeah. Um, our drummer uh, is a school musician. He's been to college for it, so he knows really the depths of music theory. You get lucky with that, man. Yeah. Nice. Well, and and you know extreme music is hard to draw a crowd in Oklahoma you know we're the bu buckle of the Bible belt and it's just not a it's hard to get a crowd together in you know uh, and I, you know the way Oklahoma scenes are is is so spread out you know it's not we don't have a sunset strip or a, a you know Beale Street or whatever we don't have that type of thing we just have we have Oklahoma City which is huge and entirely mm -hmm. spread out and we have Tulsa and that's really kind of it other than the casinos that you find out in the middle of nowhere yeah. and no uh, offense Oklahoma City but 
Tulsa's got the nightlife. Yeah. Tulsa's where you want to hang out at night, and it's Tulsa. They got a lot of bars, a lot of bands playing. We played different places already. Yeah, y'all had a real successful gig here recently. What happened there? At the Shrine, yeah, that was a benefit show. I think his name was John Wilson, I think. Uh, but he had coronavirus, and he had some really high bills for it. Complications almost died. So we had to, uh, through benefit, and we were asked to be on it. And we ended up uh, headlining it, and lots of people came out. It was probably, well, probably 200, maybe. That's close to awesome. 200. Um, awesome. It's a good time. It's, it's awesome. It's good to see people come together for a good thing finally, yeah. you know. Hear good news. <laughs> yeah. Proceeds went to him and we even we made some money on merch and we gave fifteen percent of our merch sales to the to the guy and it was fun. Awesome, man. Well, we'll get up uh, signal degradation or degradation, what y'all think? <laughs> cool. <laughs>
a signal degradation by mm -hmm. Perseus. Heavy duty, man. I dig it. That's a kick-ass song. Hell yeah, man. You guys got any uh, upcoming shows here? We got a big one uh, June 5th to Saturday. Uh, that is for Cannapalooza and Sparks. Uh, it's going to be a big uh, cannabis festival. Nice. Uh, you remember when last year 311 played it? And this year it's just, um, I'm not sure who's Some headlining it. This is the one at Crossroads? I think so. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Saliva is playing it. Cool. Thought about going to that one, try to get a booth. Cool. So <laughs> this one is uh, at Sparks. Cool. It's like a Rocklahoma-esque feel. You can camp, you can hang out. It's multiple days. Um, bring your mask. But uh, it's, uh, lots of food, lots of smoke, lots of bands. Hey. We're playing on Saturday. I, yeah. And I know people are, are ready to, to, to experience concerts again big time. Oh, yeah. You know, so I know I am. But I got a couple shout-outs here. Uh, uh, Luke Haley, Oklahoma's uh, uh, artist, uh, country artist, uh, Oklahoma Opry member. He has a show coming up in April at the Alley Club. I believe that's on April 9th. Um, and uh, we got another shout-out for a band out of uh, California. Uh, if you know anything about me, you know I love these guys. I'm, I'm wearing the merch today. Give a shout-out to them. They're dropping a new single. And... Uh, we're going to actually talk with Jordan next week. We tried to set up an interview this week. We just ran out of time. But uh, him and the guys are in the studio. They've been in the studio all week and uh, pretty booked. So we set it up probably next week and get it done there. And uh, cool guys, good tunes, you know, great rock and roll band. I, I know you guys actually played a gig with them at one point, And uh, I just kind of remembered that as a kind of a funny connection there. Yeah, uh, 89th Street. 89th Street Collective, we yeah. played with them Eagles. We probably played before them. But yeah, it was cool. Awesome. I got a gift for you, by the way, Mr. Brad, for oh, the sweet. Earshot. Awesome, the local man. Earshot podcast. Sure. All right, here <laughs> you go. This is uh, oh, our, uh, one of our bandanas, handkerchief. It's got Persis, so it's American flag. I was just about to ask Persis if y'all have bandanas in your merch, because like that's something that I don't really see yeah. in most bands these days. We got black ones, and we have this uh, American flag one, so cool. Awesome, go, dude. I am going to wear this at shows, too. Cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Use it. I got one on my wall at the house. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, we got more stuff. Uh, PerseusEPK.com. We got merch on there. Uh, for our Facebook page, you can get a hold of Jeremy. Get a hold of us on Facebook. We got shirts. We got bandanas. We got beanies. We got face masks, CDs, hoodies, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks. The local Earshot podcast runs on the value for value system. Uh, we run off donations. Uh, and so the link for that is the localearshot.com slash donations. Uh, if you want to donate, uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, we definitely need the money right now. Um, as as we're going with our nice little campaign called We Need a Bitcoin, uh, if we have one person out there that has a Bitcoin, one Bitcoin, I mean, it's only worth $50,000, but that would be really, really nice to uh, be able to run business. Um, we also run on the, it's uh, talent, treasure, and time. So we value your time. Uh, you know, listening to the podcast, we greatly appreciate that. Just let us know what you think. Um, there's a message system inside uh, the local airshock. Uh, Com, and you can uh, contact us if you are a band or you work inside the industry of music in Oklahoma City or abroad. Uh, you can contact us via the localearshot.com and you can uh, connect with us and we might be able to set up an interview, uh, hopefully, and, uh, and then we can get you on the show to promote your um, part of what you do inside the industry. Uh, and then, um, yeah. Time, talent, treasure. Awesome. Yeah, and if you guys have uh, something uh, you want to address on the show, whether it be a technical issue you're dealing with, I'm an electrician. I deal with uh, uh, amp repairs and stuff like that. Um, 
if, if we can say you set up a donation uh, with a, a question or concern and we can make it the topic of dis discussion on the podcast or we can at least address it in some format. So uh, like, like Jonathan said, time, talent, treasure, we value it and we try and reciprocate. You know, donations are greatly appreciated and uh, if we can help you out, we'll save you a trip to Norman to visit my repair shop, maybe I can give you some tips and you can address it yourself at home. And for that, the, you know, that donation goes back into the show and we can uh, improve and get better from there. So. Yep. And, um, and I sponsor um, out of uh, More Bands Media. So I'm uh, still working on the website. It, it, uh, the one issue I was running into this week is I had a lot of uh, issues with my apartment. Um, I'm going to have maintenance and repair and a bunch of stuff. So, um, so yeah, so I haven't been able to really work on that part of it. I've been working on the local earshot uh, website stuff. Um, it will be available on the episodes uh, and on all platforms pretty soon. Uh, it takes a few days about maybe five to six days in all for every platform to actually get sent to automatically through the platform that I use to upload it all. Uh, if, if a person's trying to start a podcast, uh, anchor.fm is uh, by Spotify. It's a pretty fast way to do it. Um, but there's other ways to promote. And so there's millions of apps that do that stuff. Um, but yeah, if you have any questions about internet or web or how to get your ban on the web, um, I'm actually really good at that stuff. So um, yeah. And then uh, pass it over to Mr. Wilson. I uh, just want to thank you guys for coming on to the show. We have had some like technical difficulties, but now we're actually getting guest stars and everything, which is actually super cool, you know, uh, getting to talk about like technique and like passion, drive, that sort of thing. And so, um, yeah, with the donation page set up, it's uh, whatever it is that you can contribute. We know that times are hard right now and that it hasn't really been a easy past year or so for anyone. But, um, you know, the reason that we come together and get to do something like this is to be supporting our local music and our local bands and just doing the best that we can to get them where they want to be. 10-4, man. We're, we're all, we're, all three of us are Okies, you know, and we, we like to see our dollar go a long ways here within where we're at you know i mean that's kind of just the way we are and and the local bands need it far worse than uh a, a lot of other uh bands at different levels we'll just say that you know um most a lot of bands are passion projects they're like what we're doing with the podcast and, you know it's a passion project until it can pay the bills and for some companies that can be a long time you know uh -huh. you just never know but uh you guys ready to wrap this up uh, yep Sounds all right good. i'm brad biggs with 13th step tone solutions uh, my name is wilson powers you can find me at my name isn't human on instagram uh, my name is Jonathan Grissom. I represent morebands.com, morebandsmedia, and you can reach me at john at um, localearshot.com. Uh, you can also reach the other two at biggs at localearshot.com and wilson at localearshot.com. And if you can't get a hold of us, you can always send to the admin at localearshot.com. That will be able to connect to. All right, guys. We love y'all. We'll see y'all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.